This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. There's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to another episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, I'm going to give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on the football field. And, and... I'm going to give an update at what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge, which may be my favorite Tag Team Challenge of all time, but more to come on that. So, back to the six tips and tricks. Tip number one, it's a quote that I'm thinking about. It is, technology is an excellent tool and a horrible master. I'll say that one again. Technology is an excellent tool and a horrible master. Think about your cell phone. Awesome tool. Not only can you call people. You could store pictures. You could look up information. And everything you want is right at the tip of your hands. But it's also a horrible master where you could stare at it all day and miss out on the important things in life and have your brain rot by just looking at ridiculous things on Instagram or Twitter. So excellent tool, horrible master. Well, how does that fit into advanced training? Well, we've been working with these free lap se- sensors that are t- timing our top end speed. Excellent tool. We have guys now legitimately excited. They're obsessed about their top-end speed. Guys are getting faster and faster because they're focused on their top-end speed. Excellent tool. Horrible master. Guys are so excited that now they are... A few of them have tweaked their hamstring because they're so excited about it. Horrible master. So when you're using a tool like that, you really have to make sure that you're using it as a tool and not letting it be your master. Which brings me to tip number two. It's an exercise tip. So the exercise tip is when you are sprinting for top end speed, don't focus on trying to beat your time, especially when using that sensor and it's giving you in-the-moment feedback. Don't focus on it. You have to run smoothly. Watch the greatest sprinters in the world. Watch them. Watch watch their cheeks. They're, they're They're shaking up and down. I'm actually shaking my cheek right now as I'm doing it. They're shaking up and down as they're running. They're not tight. They're not overstriding. They're not reaching out really far. Those are the things that are going to make you pull your hamstring. When you are tight and you reach out really far and now you've overextended your leg and it's not underneath your hip and you put this incredible force on your hamstring, that is how you will tweak your hamstring. So that was tip number two. That was an exercise tip. Now, I'm going to go to tip number three, the craziest thing that happened all week. (laughs) So I gave this very advice to guys in our crew before our Thursday morning running session because one of the guys had tweaked his hamstring. Pete Baraji tweaked his, ha- tweaked his hamstring doing this. Uh, Fred Carpentieri had a little uh, minor, minor, minor tweak. It didn't slow him down at all, but a minor, minor tweak in his hamstring doing this. So I gave this advice Thursday morning before we sprinted. Thursday morning. I tweaked my hamstring. The advanced training gods came down and said, thou shalt not give advice. <laughs> thou will get, in- get injured from giving the advice that you gave. And I tweaked my hamstring. So I'm a moron. 
uh, one good thing and bad thing, this horrible tool and this excellent master, is that it, it's actually calculating for you, it's keeping track of how many sprints you actually did. And I don't know why. I guess I got lost in the moment. I was getting, I was beating my PR. I kept, my time kept going down every single time. Every rep I did, my time got better and better and better. And I was getting really close to hitting a PR, at least in the time period that I was looking at. And uh, I, I was about to do one last rep, and I said to Joe Derrida, I, I need to stop because I'm getting a little tired here, but I want to keep going because my body, it feels good, and my time keeps getting better and better. And bang, on that last rep, as I got to like halfway through, the, the it's a 10-yard marker, as I got between the, the 5 and the 10, so the, the, two, the two sensors are 10 yards apart, when I got between the 5 and the 10 of that, I felt, pop! <laughs> I felt, and it wasn't even a pop. I know people say they hear a pop. I just felt this burning sensation run from the middle of my hamstring all the way up and all the way down. And I was like, ah, I cannot believe that this actually happened to me. Very, very stupid. So the AT gods came down and they, <laughs> they, they smote me for giving that advice. But that is good advice. Now, I'm going to bring this to the next thing that I am experimenting with. So that I think this were up tip number three at this point, or maybe tip number four at this point. It's something I'm experimenting with. I am experimenting with rehab for a hamstring tweak. Not a complete and total hamstring tear. I'll call it a tweak. I don't want to use the word strain. Maybe I'll use the word strain. But my thought was, and I think it's been working successfully because this happened Thursday, my thought was, I am not going to stop moving my, getting blood to my leg this entire day. I'm going to, when I worked, I had to work, just like everybody else has to work. I stood up. They, we have standing desks. I was able to stand up at work. What I did was I did like some leg kickbacks all day. Then when I was back at home, I was nonstop. I was doing anything I could to keep getting blood flow into that leg. Anything. Whatever way it didn't hurt. Uh, when I went, after when I got home, I hit the gym. I worked out. I, I one-armed farmer's walk deadlifted. Again, I didn't stop doing anything. Now, if you are tweaking something, I would not say to push through the pain. I would say to figure out a way to work around the pain and also a way that you can get blood flow to that area without hurting it or making it worse. For example, a bad way to get blood flow to the area is to go back out and try and sprint again, right? That's overexertion on a strained muscle. No, I'm talking about I'm trying to get blood flow in by doing uh, bird dogs or six-point, uh, I don't even know what you'd call them, fire hydrants, right? Like I'm doing things to just keep moving my leg, keep moving my body so that blood keeps getting into the area. When I got home from that run, the first thing I did was grab my dog and I took him on a 20-minute walk. I'm like, I am going to burn this thing out of my body, and I did. So Friday, so I, I strained it Thursday. Friday, I was able to go out and get like a, I'd call it a primer session in, so I was able to do my my single leg fires. I was able to do my low pushes. Yesterday, we had our tough man session. I still could not sprint, but again, I was able to do everything but fully sprint. And then today, I went out and did my rehab session after our tough man session. Again, primers, and I was able to sprint backwards. So for people that get injured, don't do nothing. There's always a way... Like, don't go, I'm not going to the gym at all. I have to miss this session. There's always a way to work around your injury. I'm not telling you to work through it. But you got two legs, most, hope God willing, you got two arms, God willing, if, if you're blessed enough to have all your extremities, right? 
you use every part of your body and get blood flowing back into that area. So now, not only have I not missed a workout, right? I didn't miss my, my workouts at all. I was able to get blood flowing back into that area. And uh, you cannot be stupid, right? Like before I did, I was also doing bench press. I was like, is my hamstring going to hurt doing bench press? Let me do a set with lighter weight just to see how it feels, right? Just see how it feels. Can my, and that's, why would your hamstring hurt? Well, if you're doing bench press the right way, you're, it's a full body movement, right? And if you're doing dumbbell bench press alone in your gym, like I am, you got to get on and off the uh, the bench with the dumbbell, so that could also strain your hamstring. Also, picking up the weight can strain your hamstring. So you got to be smart about it, ease your way into it, but I have not missed a beat. I've been able to work around it, which leads me to the other weirdest thing that happened, or maybe a learning lesson that happened. So I'm really good at, not good at a lot of things, but I'm really good at a few things. I am really good at, if you have a muscle tweak, an issue like that, I can help at least to say it's me or somebody who actually listens to what I'm saying, I can help you recover twice as fast as you normally would from a different means. So I'm really good at it. So the other last week, I was having this pain in my left hip, my left glute, and I was like, all right, I got this all figured out. I'm good to go. So I did my stretches. I did my prehab routines. I did my uh, Theragun. Nothing was working. I'm like, oh, my God. Have I lost it? Have I lost it? Nothing's working. I just could not get rid of this pain. Then I'm noticing that my sprint times are slowing down. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, why am I sprint times slowing down? Everybody else is getting better. I'm getting worse. And I just could not figure out what's going on. I was just in all this pain. Well, turns out that uh, Coach Mahoney had shingles. Yes, I am officially an old man. So the pain that I had, it couldn't go away because it had nothing to do with my muscles. So shingles... It's like nerves, like the pain that I was having in my leg. Again, if it has to do with muscles, I'm good. I can help you or me or whoever work around, through, and rehab that thing with the best of them. But this was a nerve issue, and that's what was going on. So here I am doing all this stuff, and it's making no impact. So here's another lesson, a tip within a tip. I don't even know what tip we're on right now, but another tip is, and this is what I learned from my shingles thing, is that you cannot overdo it with things like a Theragun or a foam roller or, I don't know, a lacrosse ball. You can't overdo it with it. You can only do it to an extent where it's not going to actually damage the muscle. So what I did, I was in so much pain. My wife had bought me, like, a, I don't even know what it would call be like a massage mat. It's got these two, like, thick, hard lacrosse ball type things in them. And I was when I was at work, my lat was also hurting. So I was sitting on a bench with this thing plugged in, and it was massaging me. It had these things, like, digging into my back and in my lower back to try and get those knots out. And uh, not only did it not make the pain go away, it made everything worse. I basically damaged all the muscles, so a moron move by me. So with my hamstring, my original thought was, ooh, I'm just going to Theragun the hell out of it. No, I made the right move. I Theragunned it a little bit. When I felt pain, I stopped. So I used mobility, more movement of joints that didn't hurt or muscles that didn't hurt to get blood flow back into that area. So for anybody out there uh, licking their wounds in any way, shape, or form listening to this, there's a couple learning lessons here. One, if you get injured, the best way to heal that thing is not to overstress that muscle, but to get blood flow back into that area. You have to get blood flow back into that area. And I looked at something from Mount Sinai, and it's I was looking for the best way to uh, the best way to rehab or take care of a hamstring injury. And my word, no offense, Mount Sinai, I'm sure you do a lot of incredible things medically, but it was don't do anything, put ice on it, compress it, and elevate it. What? 
What? This is like antiquated knowledge, by the way. If I did that, I'd still be physically unable to move. So, you gotta keep moving. You gotta get blood into the area in a way that does not cause more harm. And get keep doing your other workouts, again, in a way that does not cause more harm. Because I don't want this hamstring injury to impact my bench press or anything else that I'm working on. Okay, that's enough of that. I've digressed a lot. Uh, hopefully, there's one or two people that are getting something out of this, but whatever. All right, tip number five. This is a productivity tip. Tip number five is a productivity tip. So this leads back to last week's challenge where Andrew Cortese had cut his finger, and I go to my first aid kit, and the ice pack was completely and totally broken and ruined everything inside my bag, except there was like this little thing of like butterfly band-aids, which was overkill for Cortese's cut anyway. So I'm like, I'm throwing this thing out and getting another one. And Tom Galley's like, Coach, why don't you not do that? Clean it all out. You could probably save half that stuff. And here's the productivity tip. I was thinking, you know what? Why would I do that? If I put my life into a dollars per hour, right? This thing might take me, I'm going to say quickly. If I could quickly have cleaned it, it might have taken me about an hour to get all that gook out and salvage a couple of Band-Aids and a gauze wrap. Then I looked up online how much this thing cost. 16 bucks. So let's just say, I'm making this up, that my life is worth $50 an hour. And that thing from Amazon costs 16 bucks. You know what? I'm going to make $34 on this deal by chucking this thing in the garbage and buying another one. So now I could do something else in that other time and hour that could be more productive, make $50 somewhere else versus spending my time wasting whatever it is uh, to fix that first aid kit. So think about the productivity tip is to think about your time in dollars per hour. And don't do things that are going to take you a lot of time and cost you more dollars per hour. Don't do it, right? That would have cost me $34 an hour to sit there and clean out that first aid kit. By the way, thing came from Amazon Prime, Jeff Bezos. You were the man! This thing came in one day. The next day, in my house, new first aid kit. Next productivity tip, within that productivity tip, I took the, first, the, the ice pack and that one, I'm like, I'm going to throw it out. And Tom Galley said, Coach, don't throw it out. You never know when you're going to need it. And I was thinking, why the hell would I ever need it? I'm just back to my little thought on ice. The only time I feel like you should ever use ice, and I'll probably come back and say this is completely wrong in like five years, the only time you should use ice is if you are trying to delay healing. And why would you try to delay healing? Well, say you're a boxer and your eye gets all, I don't know, compressed and swollen. You want to delay the healing so the guy can see and finish the fight. That's the only time that you would want to use ice. Now, in advanced training, I would hope that never happens. But the risk of that happening is low. But the risk of that ice bag breaking again, at least in my opinion, because it happened, is very high. So I took that sucker, threw it out. I hope the AT gods did not make me pay for this. But uh, all right. So that was my productivity tip. I'm going to give you an extra productivity tip because I'm feeling generous today. If you are running at Owl Howell Field and there is a soccer game going on next to you, change your running location to as far away as possible from that game. Why? Because those guys or girls usually guys that we see there, miss a lot of shots. And for some reason, the soccer culture is that now it's your problem to get their ball. I'll say that again. It is now your problem to get their ball. And I see they do it to each other, different games. Maybe it's soccer etiquette. It's not my soccer etiquette because I'm not playing soccer. But uh, I had to stop my workout about six times today 
to get their ball. Having said that, these might have been the nicest guys on the face of the earth. Like, every time, thank you so much. It wasn't like an entitled thing. When I left, they thanked me, so I feel even guilty talking about it. But I'll say that I've seen other groups of people do this, and it was like they whistle at you and, like, say, yo, the equivalent of Blanco's uh, watch out <laughs> comment. Just extremely rude. These guys were as nice as, as they could possibly be. So I'm not, not talking about you guys. If you listen to this podcast in general, just run for somewhere else because it really did interfere with my workout. All right. And I think that covers all. Oh, I have to go to the last tip and trick. The last tip and trick. So this is a conversation. It's something that moved me. It's a conversation I had with my niece. So my niece, she's a senior in high school. She... She's like the model person. She goes to the hardest school she could possibly go to. Her whole life is revolved around sports. Like everything she's doing is to make herself a better person. And she's thinking as a senior in high school, so she plays flag football. She played tackle football. So she's the only girl I know that's actually played tackle football for a high school football team and not as a kicker. She was a wide receiver. Now she just joined a women's tackle football team. And she was saying, I'm really nervous about not being a competitive athlete anymore. So she's like in this mode, you know how it is when you're a senior in high school. So this is like a reality check to a lot of people. You're a freshman in high, you're a little kid. Your parents think you're all going to become a professional athlete, right? Everybody thinks you're going to become a professional athlete, myself included. You get to high school, you're a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, sky's the limit. Then you become a senior and now it's all these question marks. Where am I going to go to college? Who wants me? If I get to college, who am I going to be around? You might be the greatest player at your high school. Then you go to college, and now you are, you're a common person amongst uncommon people. Whatever the hell David Goggins says, right? Like he says you've got to be uncommon around uncommon people. Well, maybe you're the top 1% of the athletes in your group, but then you get to college, everybody else is the top 1% of the athletes in your group. So she, this, this girl just never stops impressing me. and She's saying, I'm just worried about what I'm going to be like or what I'm going to feel like when this is all over. And I had said to her, look, when, when I finish playing college football, and people don't understand this until you've been in something like that where your life is that regimented and they tell you where to go, what to eat, what you're going to do, what your schedule's going to look like. Your whole day is consumed with this, and like school kind of fits in between. And yes, I'm an academic. I, I I am a nerd, and school for me fit in between football. I played football, and I did. I was doing my schoolwork in between that. Uh, so when that ends, there's a massive hole in your life. And she was worried about that. And, I, and I'll say this: at school, we we did have conversations about this. Of what do you do with life after football? What do you do when this thing is gone? When this when this control of your life is gone. And it links me back to advanced training and the thing that we are, we are able to create. So with football, specifically tackle football, when it's over, it's over. There's very few leagues out there where you're going to get the same thing. Very few. I know that like the fire department and the FDNY, they have tackle football teams and guys play. But it's never it's not the same as playing a tr- truly organized every day of the week. I think the fire department play practices like two days a week, and trust me, these guys are serious about it. They're into it. I'm not going to say anything about the quality of football that they play. I'm just going to say that it's not their primary focus. These are grown men. They are. They have families, kids, wives, everything. They're, they're trying to juggle all this stuff around playing football, and it's just a piece of their life, not totally encompassing their life. And there's only so long you could actually do that how much of a beating can you take uh, once you're past the prime of your life? 
especially when it's not your it's not your job, it's not your profession. If you're an NFL athlete, it's your profession, and even then, it's only like two to three years on average for a football player. Having said that, it links back to advanced training. It's something that Matt Castellano had said that you know he recognized from outside how this was it was a way for certain guys to keep that competitive edge after they stop playing football. It's never it will never be the same. It will never be the same. But I'm hoping beyond hope that this thing gives that got those guys that competitive edge, that competitive spirit, that teamwork that they may not have gotten because they just couldn't play their sport anymore. That's what I'm hoping this forum is. It's a, right now. It used to not be this way. This used to be for high school kids, getting them ready to play college sports and college athletes, getting them to be better at the sport they were playing. Now this thing is kind of morphed into, all right, this is a home for any washed-up meathead that wants to continue to compete and be physically fit and keep that young, competitive spirit spirit throughout the remainder of their life or as long as they possibly can, right? I'm going I'm to keep this thing going as long as we all possibly can because when it's over, what do you do? Do you become uh, just another guy, the jag? What do they call it? A NARP, non-athletic regular person? I don't know. I don't want to ever be that. I'm 45. My goal is to do this till I can't. My goal is to do this till I just can't do it anymore, uh, even if it's just me out there with one other person or be me by myself. I don't care, which leads me to. So that her thought was great. You guys, I hope Advanced Training is doing this for you. And it kind of leads me to this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. Because that's the whole point of this, right? We have these teams working together in highly intense emotional situations. So, let's get to the Tag Team Challenge, which may have been my favorite challenge ever. So we have two teams. We separate them into uh, two different locations. Now, imagine there is a setup that looks like a rectangle with a point at the end of the rectangle. So imagine there's a rectangle with a triangle on top of it. So you have four cones in a box. At the tip of the four cones in each box, on either side, let's say not all four sides, but the top and the bottom, there's a cone right in the middle like the tip of a spear. So you got a box, and at the top of the box, there's a tip of the spear. We separate the two teams out. We put uh, two guys starting at the first tip of the spear, and on my go, they're going to sprint at a 45-degree angle to a cone to their right or to their left. If you're th- one team's on the right, one team's on the left. At that first cone is a set of sliders where a guy is waiting. They're going to run to that. I'm sorry, there's no guy waiting. They're going to run. They're going to get on those sliders, and they're going to slide 20 yards, each of them, in their own spot. They're going to stand up and tag another guy who's waiting for them. He's going to jump on those same sliders, and he's going to slide 10 yards. He's going to get to the cone. That ends now the rectangle. He's going to get up, and he's going to sprint to the tip of the spear at the end of his box. And at the tip of that spear is nine numbers, like little children's numbers, little wooden blocks of numbers. Imagine you're teaching your kid how to count or how to add, and you use blocks. Well, this is what we have set up there. They're going to run, and they're going to pick up one of those numbers, and they're going to put it in their pocket or hold it or whatever, go back to the sliders that they left, Hop on sliders, do a 10-yard slider back to that other cone where someone's going to take that number from that person, slide 20 yards back to the next cone, stand up, sprint back to the tip of the spear, and drop that number on the ground. And they're going to repeat this process over and over and over again until one of those teams adds their numbers up to 15. Now, there's only nine numbers there. There's only nine numbers, so people can be competing for the same number, or you might not have every combination you wanted because someone might take the number that you wanted. 
So that is the gist of this game. And the rules I laid out were pretty simple. I don't care how many times everybody goes. Figure it out. It's up to you. The only rules are that there has to be a tag at that middle cone. Uh, and you have to start at the start cone to, to, to drop down your, your toy. Right? That, was my, that was my rule. That was my only rule. There was a hundred other rules I was thinking of, but I tried to keep this as simple as possible. So that was my rule. The other rule, sorry, was that you have to have, you only get three numbers. So you can't do this like in five numbers. You got to do it in three numbers. You got three numbers. Those three numbers have to add up to 15. If they don't add up to 15, you lose. That's it. It's not who gets closest to 15. If they both don't add up to 15, you lose. And in my mind, I'm trying to play out every possible scenario before we get into this. Like, what if uh, both teams don't come up with 15? All right, we got to do it. Like, what if their math is just terrible? <laughs> That's a problem. So that I'm just looking at all possible, possible scenarios, laid out the rules that I wanted to lay out, and here we go. So we go. We got the Flayed Men. We got Bear Island. And Cortese and Galley go first. And these guys are both dudes. They're, they're both dudes, especially at this thing. So if I look at the numbers of who has the best 40-yard sli slider time, sorry, 10-second slider time in advanced trading, Galley has 25.5 seconds, and Cortese had 20, sorry, Galley gets, in 10 seconds, Galley went 25.5 yards. In 10 seconds, Cortese went 25 yards. So these guys are legitimately almost the same person when it comes to sliders, at least coming into this event. So it's, both teams are smart. They put these guys as their, their openers. They start at the tip of the spear. They run to that 45 degrees to that first cone. They put their feet on the sliders. They slide 20 yards. And surprisingly, Cortese's got like three to four yards on Galley. Now remember, Galley, his guy hasn't lost a head-to-head -head match in two years. Galley, he's just Galley, man. Like he's a dominant force. So it's awesome to see a guy like Cortese beating Galley. Anyway, he goes, Galley tags Marechko. Marechko has now has a sizable lead. He has a sizable lead. He gets to the tip of the spear, and he moves a couple of numbers to the side, and then starts launching all the numbers that were in this area across the field. I let it go for about three seconds, but then I realized that that move is going to cause total chaos after this. So his idea was, and it was a smart one, I'm going to take the three numbers that I need to equal 15. And then I'm going to launch all the other numbers all over the place to screw the other team. Which was a brilliant move. And I said this to him in a text message. And I'll say it again right now. But extremely short-sighted. Because it's like when Joe Rogan talks about a fight. Right? I get in a fight with you. You beat me. The next thing I do is I go grab a couple of my friends. And we beat, beat up you. Then you go grab a couple of your friends. And you bring baseball bats. And you beat up me. Then I go grab a couple of my friends, and we grab knives, and we hurt you. Then you come back with a couple of your friends, and you bring guns, and you kill us all, right? There's no good, no good end to this story. So I don't know what – I think it was short-sighted because the other team, in fact, said it as we were loading up my car. Yeah, we weren't worried about it because we were going to take his numbers and launch them across the field. And then this would have been complete and total chaos, and the drill would have changed from – what I wanted it to be, two guys just taking numbers and launching them across the field. And one other thing I mentioned, which would be completely and totally unethical. So Moresco was playing within the rules, but he was ruining the intent of what the drill was supposed to be. And it was a smart move by him, but again, short-sighted. The other thing that someone could have done was just take your numbers, put them in their pocket, which I would not have seen, and then now you can't figure out what's going on, and they dip them back in that circle. So that, that was why I stopped the drill and said, nope. We're doing it again. You cannot throw the numbers, which 
obviously set him off into an outrage. Even uh, as late as last night, he was claiming how I like to make chaos for everybody else, but not myself, and it's not fair. But we had to restart the drill. In addition to that, I added another thing, because both groups were losing their sliders, and when they were losing their sliders, now if I lose a slider, I got two sliders on my feet, if I lose a slider, the guy I tagged to is screwed. He's got to go with one leg. So guys were losing their sliders, and then they had other guys on their team picking up the slider they lost and bringing it to the tag point. I said, here's two new rules. One, you can't throw the numbers around. You can only touch your number. And two, if you lose a slider, you have to get it. No one else on your team had to get it, which made it. <laughs> so talk about me. Uh, I, I took some chaos away from throwing the numbers in, but I added some chaos back in of you needing to own your own sliders. So while Marechko complains about one thing, he didn't seem to complain about another thing. Anyway, so we, we actually stopped the drill and restarted all over again. So to remind you, we're at the tip of the spear. That guy's going to sprint to the first cone where there's two sliders. He's going to slide 20 yards. He's going to tag a partner. That guy's going to slide 10 yards. He's going to get to the end of his rectangle. He's going to sprint to the tip of the spear, and he's going to pick out a number. So here we go. We start again. Same cycle. The first team brings back a 9. The second team brings back a 6. All right, cool. First team has a 9. Second team has a 6. The 9 team is the flayed man. They got a little bit of an edge. They come back again. Their next number is a 5. So now they have 9 and 5. So they got 14. The second group, Joe Derradita, he's up. They had brought back a 6. I see him standing at the tip of the spear. I see him looking at the numbers. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? What kind of complex math is going on here? This is not a good win. He picks up, and they, his team brings back an 8. Totally crazy move. He brings back an 8. Why is that crazy? Because now they have an 8 and a 6. The other team has a 9 and a 5. Both teams have 14. Both teams have 14, which now puts us in the position where both of them are now racing back to get the same number. One. I don't know if you're a mathematician, but 14 plus one equals 15. So both teams now have 14. <laughs> so they're both racing back for this number. Now, the way I've played this out in my head was the odds of that something like that happening, it's different. I was going to say it's like 25%, but that's not really, it's not as simple as that. It's different based on the sequence of numbers that you're picking. But the odds of that weren't, I guess, 25, I don't know how you want to look at it, but they're not greater than 50%. It wasn't like 80% chance of this happening. And the reason I didn't like that happening, at least in my mind, was as soon as that team grabbed the other number, it's over. It didn't, doesn't become a foot race right down to the very end, right? If, I'm, if we're both... We both need a different number at the end. You need a two, and I need a three. Now we got a fighting chance to make up that time. But if it's the other way, if we both need that same number, then now it's like whoever gets to that tip of the spear first, they win. They can take their time getting back, and the other team automatically loses. And that's, in fact, what happened. So when Joe Derradita picked up that six, his team had 14, what happened was they were behind. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... They completely and totally take the lead, get back first, grab that number one, and they win. And the flayed man is screwed. What I like about the flayed man is that they didn't give up. Uh, Carpentieri picked a seven, I guess the closest thing that looked to a one, and brought it back. So they lost. So now, once again, Bear Island wins the challenge. What's great about this challenge? What's great about this challenge is we had guys stay at my car for maybe 15, 20 minutes afterwards talking about it. When we got home, Cortese, whose team lost, came back with his ideas of the best possible numbers to pick. At the same time, when I got home, I had gone through what the best possible numbers to pick were. 
people were talking about it. Uh, Pete Amorosi went and Googled a picture of the toy that I got and sent the picture of it. Like, I like that people are still thinking about this stuff afterwards. Again, going back to my conversation with my niece. So they're still thinking about this challenge. This is, again, this is not just about pushing yourself physically. It's about pushing yourself physically, emotionally, mentally. Like, all this stuff is happening at the same time as you're working as a team to make these decisions. So if you're standing at your desk playing this game, it's very different than playing this game while you're doing sliders. And remember, there's a lot of, a lot of things going on here, right? It's a 20-yard it's a slider. Uh, it's another 10-yard slider. You're going back. So there was actually 12 lengths of this thing going on. Two there, two back. Two there, two back. So there's a lot going on of you. And we had to reset it, right? So guys are a little tired from us resetting the drill. We already had a workout. So it's not like you're sitting at your desk and you have time to think in a nice, calm environment. All that's out the window. You have to think on the fly. And think about this. As you're thinking on the fly, again, it's not you just picking up three numbers that equal 15. It's you picking up three numbers that equal to 15, as some other team is also trying to take the numbers that you had. That is what makes this awesome. That is what makes this awesome. So it's, this isn't for everybody. Uh, if you don't like it, it's not my problem. This entertains me. It entertains uh, most of the guys in our group. And if you don't like it, well, that's you. That's not me. I can't please everybody. If I try to please everybody, I'll please no one. I got an audience of one. Me. Anyway, so I love that Cortese came up with his numbers. What was interesting was he was looking at it from a very different perspective than I was. He was looking at individual numbers that had the greatest chance of being in a combination to, to equal 15, and he thought that that would be a good number, which is actually pretty clever, right? If I, if I pick this number, it has the greatest possibility of linking up with other things. So if I pick, I don't know, I'm making up a number right now, two, then I got this many chances for it to line up to 15 with something else. I was thinking about it in a very different way. I was thinking about combinations of three because the first team at my truck, we were talking about how did they pick the numbers they were going to pick first. So bo actually both teams told me what their thoughts were. The flayed man, Cortese's idea was get nine. If I get nine, and this is what he was thinking about in the moment, if I get nine, that gives me a lot of opportunities with all of them lower numbers. Amorosi from the other team, Bear Island, he thought if we start off with four, five, six, if we start off with four, five, six, then we have an easy. That's that's our best chance. Now, I don't know why I wasn't in that conversation. My guess is that's pretty easy math. Four, five, six, right? It's easy to remember. And then if somebody takes a number, you got room up and you got room down, right? So I, I think they're both good strategies. I don't know what I was. What I went home was thinking of. Now, now that this actually happened and two guys went left the same number or two teams left the same number for last, what is the best means? So my, the way I was thinking about it was what combination of numbers would would lead two teams uh, most or least going for the same one at the end. Because I think that was the one that got me. If you lose that last leg, it gives you one less opportunity to win. I guess maybe if you're an underdog, it's really it, it's that's really the one that you'd want to do. You'd, if you're an underdog, you're going to want to keep a combination where if you get to that thing first, it, you beat them. Right? If I'm an underdog, it's kind of like playing football. If you're an underdog, you want to slow down the clock and limit the amount of reps the other team gets because the, the house always wins. Right? If I'm an underdog, I want to give them uh, eight possessions instead of ten because if I give them ten, they're probably going to score in those last two possessions. It's the same thing here. If, let's say you had to go back and forth three times, three full lengths. If you had to go back and forth three times, or I call it 12 because it's one there, one back, right? Uh, or six, I go one there, one back. I, I'm eliminating one of those back if I don't have to have them go. Anyway, I'm rambling a little bit here, but I, it's not the numbers that mattered. It was the principle of the thinking afterwards that mattered. 
And what my calculation was, because I know Cortese was asking me, I thought that having a 2 and 5 and 8, that combination of 15 had the highest risk of someone, or the la- the last time you go for that number, of the other team also going for the same number. 2, 5, and 8. How did I come up with it? Because the 2, the 5, and the 8 came up in the most combinations of numbers to 15. So those three numbers fit in individually in other combinations of 15 the most. This is the way I was thinking about it after the session. had nothing to do with what was going on during the session. I didn't think about it that deeply before the session, but, but Cortese's analysis, my analysis, one thing that's interesting is how differently we were looking at it. I was like a glass half empty guy. He was a glass half full guy. That's it. But I think it really comes down to the variables that are happening while you're doing this. Again, if you are playing tic-tac-toe with your friend, it's a lot easier if you're doing it standing up at a table than if you're doing it and you're doing a slider before, if you're exhausted before. Right now, there's all these other things going on, and your mind is racing, and you can't think clearly, clearly, and you are in a, what do they call it, fright brain, right? When you're in fright brain, you can't think clearly. That, that, that's awesome. That's why I love this stuff, because that's what's going to happen. That's when it matters the most. So good stuff, Cortese. I'm glad that you did that analysis. Uh, I like your thoughts. I don't know which one of us is right at this moment. I don't care. I'll probably go back into it more deeply at another point, but not right now. Which leads us to, so now, Bear Island wins. Everybody on the team gets three points, and it has to be a single elimination day again because the flayed man just can't seem to get a lot of people there for whatever reason. I don't know. They all got social lives, whatever. <laughs> Last year, Moretzko was patting himself on the back for being the greatest GM to ever live. He was a captain. His team dominated the, the junkyard dogs. His team was always there. This year, same guy, Joe Moretzko, his team is... They're hardly ever fully there. Yesterday they had four guys. One of them, Nick Carroll, is already eliminated, so he can't he can't compete. Uh, so now, head-to-head, there's three guys left. The other team has to make a decision of who of these three guys are going to go head-to-head. So there's Carpentieri, there's Cortese, and there's Moretzko. And they pick Carpentieri and Cortese to go head-to-head. Cortese already has one loss head-to-head, so he's fighting for his life. Carpentieri has proved himself to be a dude. He's undefeated. He won the Money in the Bank Challenge. He's been sick. He's the fastest guy in advanced training. So they take the first fastest guy, the second fastest guy, and they're going to pit him head-to-head. And once again, I do an homage to a Pete Amorosi challenge. So a few years ago, we let our guys pick a challenge. Every week, they got to pick the challenge instead of me. So every week, somebody picked the challenge. I ran the challenge, but they picked it. So Amorosi's challenge was you do a single-leg slider 10 yards. Then at 10 yards, you switch the slider to your other leg and do a single leg slider 10 yards. Then after that 10-yard slider is done, there's another slider waiting for you, and then you do a double leg slider. That was his challenge from, I think, 2021. So I pulled that out, took the dust off it, and said, we're going to do that again. The only variable was that now we're going to both start at the tip of the spear. We're going to keep the box set up the way it was. We're going to start at the tip of the spear. They're going to sprint to the first slider. Do the sing- and just do the drill. They're going to do a single leg slider, 10 yards, switch legs, do a single leg slider, 10 yards, switch legs, and then do a double leg slider. That's it. That's the challenge. So two dudes going head-to-head. Cortese had already proven that he was the alpha male in this drill by the way he was just absolutely annihilating it during the tag team challenge. So they go, and uh, as good as Carpentieri was, Cortese, it, it was... Le- 
it was, uh, I don't know. I, I was going to use the word breathtaking. That's probably a bit too much for advanced training. But, but man, it was, I'll say glorious. Glorious is a better word. I mean, he, he runs like a freaking deer. He gets to the cone, and it was like, it almost looked like it was completely and totally effortless that he had one slider versus two. I heard somebody scream out, you're used to it, or something like that. I, I think he loses a slider a lot, but I think he's lost it so much that now he's just really good at a single leg slider. So it's like his, all the mistakes he used to make, it paid off in this drill. He wins. He lives to fight another day. He is not eliminated. But the flayed man, they are in danger. They're in danger of all of them getting eliminated. Some of these guys are in danger of not making the playoffs because their team's not winning. Marechko, you need a, a team meeting. You got to get your crew there. Uh, yeah, you know, legitimate dudes not there. I don't know why. I think one's doing my taxes and the other one's at a wedding. Not a good excuse. Got to get there. Except for the guy doing my taxes. All right. So, Flayed Man, you need a meeting. Get yourselves together. But that re- wraps up this weekend's Six Minute Monday and our update on the Tag Team Challenge. Enjoy the rest of your week. This episode is brought to you by ProPulse Speed Trainers, created by the mad scientist himself, David Weck. Now, in my 20-plus years of evaluating athletes, there was always one thing, one thing that I could look at and tell you if this athlete was going to be sick or if they were going to be in our coordinated mess. And I could tell you that in about five seconds. And what was it? It was the way their upper bodies moved in sync with their lower bodies. If they were in complete and total sync, I knew the athlete was going to be sick. You've always heard, look at this guy's arm angles. Look at the way the violent arm action, the way this guy runs. Well, those were always the best athletes. Now, what David Weck did is he created these little miniature weights that are about 12 ounces each that you can hold in your hand. And inside of those weights, he has these little beads. And when you run and when, you move, when you're pumping those arms, when those weights are pumping those arms, you can actually hear with those beads if you are on the right rhythm. It's actually sending a signal to your brain to say, yep, I am in pace, I am in rhythm, and it will instantly get your upper body and lower body in sync. If you want to become like Michael Jordan, Randy Morse, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, watch these guys run, watch their sick arm angles, get yours today. Go to shop.weckmethod.com. That's shop, W-E-C-K, that's weckmethod.com. Put in the code WMA270. Again, that's WMA270. It will get you 10% off of any item that you buy. Go and get yours today.